Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And as always, I am joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the fantasy writer equivalent of Marshawn Lynch Beast Mode, Mr. Nathan Yonke. Nate, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. It's been a good week. I had the Scott Fishbowl this past weekend, a live draft in Cincinnati. So it was nice seeing uh, some people in the industry as well as just some people who love fantasy football get to draft with them, get to snipe people's picks, have them snipe my picks and see the reaction in real time rather than just talking about it over the Internet. So um, it was a good time and really felt like we are finally in fantasy football season. Nice. Love that. Yeah. I love a live draft. Live, there's, there's nothing like a live fantasy draft. We do, you know, we could easily do, you know, underdog drafts and uh, internet drafts at any point, but to get together with everybody to do a live draft, the, it, it's just the best. It's so much fun. What pick did you have at uh, in Scott Fishbowl? Um, I had the fourth pick and it's a super flex league. So I was very happy. Like you got to choose your pick. And since I got in early, I got to pick the fourth. And I knew it was either one of the top three quarterbacks or Travis Kelsey, just let whichever one of those four players fall to me and be happy that I get them out of value. And Josh Allen was the one who fall for me. So nice. starting with Josh Allen at quarterback. So hopefully it goes well. Paired him up with Dalton Kincaid later in the draft. So hopefully that duo does me well this season. Beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, this this will be fun. Um, we're we're gonna get into some real draft stuff in the next few weeks, and and obviously today as well. Um, other than that, but we just had some breaking news um, from Adam Schefter posting that uh, Quinn and Williams signed a four year extension with the New York Jets, sixty six million guaranteed. So love that. Uh, I know you know Quinn and Williams is a defensive player. This is you know we're mostly focused on offensive players, um, but for those that are interested in IDP, and there's a lot of fantasy players that are are in a, in a growing kind of um, section of the fantasy community. Quinn and Williams, uh, my dynasty DT one, uh, he just coming off a huge year posted a 90.1 PFF grade, which included an 84.1 pass rush grade, uh, which ranks sixth at the position. Uh, and he posted five and a half sacks over expected for a total of 12 last season. So a huge year for Quinnen Williams earning his money and getting paid. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good defensive tackle uh, in the NFL and for IDP uh, for many years to come. So excited about that for Quinnen. Yep, we but, have plenty of people on our Discord talking IDP, and I'm like, we need to get at least a little IDP, and we have breaking <laughs> news. We finally have an opportunity. Yeah. John, here's your shot. Yeah, as first excuse, I'll take any excuse uh, that I can to talk IDP, and we'll we'll, we'll get an IDP episode, uh, episode or focused episode uh, out here before the season, and then we'll 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 get into it a little bit more in season as well as one of our. Um, weekly episodes too. So it'll be fun for those people that are interested in IDP and defense uh, on top of all the, the regular fantasy stuff. We'll, we'll be able to make sure you're covered there, but um, yeah, I, we got another fun one today. We're going to shift our focus solely on the running backs uh, who absolutely matter. Well, for fantasy purposes, at least uh, last week, we discussed our favorite sleeper wide receivers and tight ends. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so already. And naturally this week, we are going to talk about our favorite sleeper running backs, but we're also adding in the top breakout running backs for the 2023 season as well. So I think there's going to be plenty of valuable information in this one. I I'm excited to get into it. Uh, but before we do, I do want to mention that this episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive both now and in the future. With term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all on 
online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who can answer questions along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFF. That's meetfabric.com slash PFF. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFF policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency, LLC, using Fabric Life Technologies, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFF. All right, let's start things off with the breakout candidates at the running back position. These are players that... We'd expect to have the best seasons of their career so far with the potential to, to join the best fantasy performers at their position and raise their overall fantasy stock. So I'll kick us off here because I did recently write up the running back breakout article on PFF.com just a few weeks ago. And, and Nate, I know you're going to have uh, your breakout guys in the near future as well. So I'll see if I can maybe like influence your choices here by going over the, the reasons I like these specific players to have big fantasy seasons in 2020. 23. So um, I'll start with a player that from what I've learned through Twitter, a lot of people really dislike and refuse to consider as a potential breakout. So it looks like I'll have a lot more people to convince with this one. But I am talking, of course, about Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, Akers last year, he didn't start the 2022 season on a great note. He, he played behind Daryl Henderson uh, in almost every game uh, until Henderson was waived by the team in November, uh, mostly due to like pretty clear struggles and, and inefficiencies as a starter. He averaged just four yards per carry, which ranked 34th among running backs. And he posted a 62.3 rushing grade, which ranked 49th. And, you know, to be fair, it's not like Akers was that much more impressive than Henderson, even in a smaller role during that span. He averaged just 3.1 yards per carry, and he had a 65.7 rushing grade. Um, however, the team did still turn to Akers as their lead back in week 13, and we did see significant significant improvement, which also led to better fantasy success than what Henderson was able to achieve in his time as a starter. So Akers' improvement on that larger snap share was pretty significant uh, last season and it was an obvious improvement even from what fantasy managers saw in his return in 2022 when he he came back from the or from 2021 when he came back from the Achilles injury um where he managed just 2.4 yards per carry it was like a 39.6 rushing grade really 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 poor numbers but now it looks like at least that the bounce back from that Achilles injury appears to be complete and um I'll go over his kind of numbers as a starter last year because I think that makes him much more appealing for fantasy managers to invest in him for 2023. So um, from week 12 on, so this is post Henderson, uh, Cam Akers earned the fourth best rushing grade at the position with an 83.6. And he finished as the PPR RB4 in that same span. And at least now looks like the clear starter in the Rams backfield for the first time since 2020. Um, he's never actually finished a season higher than RB 34 in PPR fantasy fantasy league. So I don't think he should have any issue kind of uh, surpassing that mark by a decent margin in 2023, as long as he stays healthy. Um, the Rams didn't really add significant competition for carries this offseason, even though they brought in uh, Sony Michelle. But if I think if Akers continues to play as well as he did near the end of last season, he should probably have no problem holding off anyone else currently on the roster uh, from leading the team and running back touches by a pretty wide margin. And I think on a weekly basis. So um we even got to see him a little bit more as a receiver late last year, which was never a big part of his game. Uh, but he hauled in 13 receptions through six games for 117 receiving yards on 106 routes run. And with Matt LaFleur coming in as offensive coordinator, we have, we have seen him kind of show a tendency to target the running back a little bit more often as well. So even if acres maybe isn't the primary receiving back, I think there will at least be some opportunities for acres to add some production in the passing game. The main things, obviously, for him, you know, needing to break out is, is well, first and foremost is going to be health, which is true for any player on this list, but also to continue to maintain that momentum from the end of last season and, and then hold off any other competition for carries. I think he should be uh, in a great spot to potentially break out this season. And he comes in right now as my RB20 on the year. 
think RB20 is pretty fair for him. I have him at 22 right now. And I think um, the big thing for him is he probably has a higher floor than a lot of running backs that are lower than him. Uh, you were talking about the competition and some of the running backs that we have ranked in the 10 to 20 range, guys like Aaron Jones of the Packers, where he's getting up there in age. They have A.J. Dillon. It wouldn't be all that surprising if Dillon ends up with more carries than Aaron Jones. Eventually, that handoff's going to happen where Dillon's going to be more of the main guy in Green Bay, and it could happen this season. So, like, that's a possibility of what could happen in Green Bay and Jacksonville uh, with Travis Etienne. They drafted a running back. They added Dearness Johnson. Um, there's a chance Etienne could lose some playing time to some of these other running backs where Akers, we know he's going to be the guy. We know that there isn't any competition for those snaps or those touches. Like, every running back has a chance of getting injured, but relative to other running backs, he just has a really high floor of, after you draft, say, one running back early, and then you just want to wait a couple rounds for a running back, he's kind of that perfect guy that you know you can put in there and then draft a bunch of other high upside players as well and just hope one of those high upside players hits. If they don't, then Akers will at least allow you to survive week after week. Um, in terms of considering him as a breakout, I think we've seen what he can do in these past couple of years that it would be surprising for me if he can improve his efficiency significantly. So I have a hard time seeing him potentially being a top five or maybe even top 10 running back. But I think he definitely has that floor where he should be in the top 20 if he stays healthy, definitely this season. And there's at least a chance he could be higher, but I'm also a little concerned about the offensive line. Um, it's been a problem the last couple of seasons. They're still moving parts around. So there's a chance that if the offensive line can click and get things together, that could be even a better thing for Akers. But the offensive line does play a decent role in running back efficiency. So that's a little bit of my concern for Akers and why I don't have him higher than I do at 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very fair. And and oftentimes, I mean, he's he's hanging around much later than that too right like I've, I've seen already in drafts recently like you said you know if you want to wait on on a second running back he's he's usually still hanging around there like because like i said people really don't like him that much they're, they're i think they're afraid of the injury stuff and and yeah there's definitely concerns with the offense and the offensive line as well how efficient it'll be so um yeah i i, I still like him in that kind of 20 to 24 range um as as kind of a low-end safe rb2 and yeah just hoping that he can continue to again keep that momentum going from the end of last season and, and potentially finish even higher than that yeah, this um, might be a topic yeah, for another day, but like I think one thing is fantasy managers will draft someone, it'll burn them, and they don't want to draft that player again. And that's probably <laughs> happened to a ton of people with Acres, and that's probably why he's getting driven down. But that's probably something that you should try avoiding thinking that way and being okay taking another chance on a player, even if he let you down at some point in the past. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of those guys are the Keenan Allen for the longest time. People just avoided. And then, you know, he had to kind of prove himself as, as this healthy player um, going back to IDP. Derwin James was the same thing. He, he, you know, he missed a couple years in a row um, or missed significant time in those years and people just avoided him. But now he's like the consensus safety one. Right. So yeah. um but anyways, again, like I said, I'll take any excuse to talk IDP. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's go with another one of my favorite breakout running back candidates, and that is in Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm going with Rashad White. Uh, so he's currently my RB22. Uh, the Bucks released Leonard Fournette this offseason, who is coming off a year where he finished as the PPR RB12 uh, in 2022. And he did this with like being the least efficient running back in the league last season uh, and still found a way to be a fantasy asset, right? He ranked 57th of 57 qualifying backs in yards per carry at 3.5. And then he ranked 50th among those 57 in rushing grade as well at 68.7. The main thing obviously for, for Lenny was that his value came as a receiver where he added 73 receptions for 523 yards and three touchdowns, albeit in a very pass heavy offense. Um, I'd obviously be shocked if the offense didn't pass less in 2023. Uh, but at the very least, White's opportunity with Fournette 
gone is at least still significant, especially if he can start to run the ball more effectively. You know, if we look at last year when Rashad White was given the opportunity, he just wasn't overly effective as a rusher. Um, much like Fournette, he he posted a 65.1 rushing grade. He was averaging 3.7 yards per carry. But you know, no reason that he can't improve behind a potentially healthier offensive line in 2023. Um, even though he wasn't, you know, kind of known for his rushing prowess coming out of college, he he did average five and a half yards per carry uh, for a 90.5 rushing grade in his final season at Arizona State. Um, he, he was much more known for kind of his receiving profile coming out of college where he posted a 90 receiving grade in 2022 with 43 receptions for 400 and sorry, in 2021, uh, for 43 receptions for 456 yards and 2.25 yards per route run. So he ranked ninth in the country among backs in that time. Um, I, I think if you consider kind of like the passing down work that Fournette took away uh, from White in 2022, even at a lower rate of team passing attempts, there, there's decent ground to be made up for White as a fantasy producer and as the kind of clear favorite to absorb uh, the prime receiving back duties combined with a, a good shot to lead the team in carries as well. I think he has, you know, a pretty strong chance to finish as a top 24 fantasy back at PPR uh, this season. Obviously, he needs to avoid Tampa Bay bringing in any more competition for running back snaps. Again, Ezekiel Elliott's still out there, Kareem Hunt, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I don't know that they will. Um, I, at the very least, I don't think they'll be bringing, bringing back Fournette after uh, releasing him. But then he also has to kind of outperform Chase Edmonds and, and the free agent uh, rookie running back Sean Tucker that they drafted uh, combined with some some natural improvement as a runner because like I said last year wasn't very effective as a rusher but if he can you know develop in in year two and again with that a uh, bit healthier offensive line I think that could be uh, big for his production this season. Yeah when looking at his stats last year there wasn't a lot to like but the one thing that I noted was um, he caught a pass on 19.5% of his routes, which was sixth best for running backs. And there really aren't that many running backs that consistently get a lot of catches year in and year out. And if he can be one of those players, that's excellent for his fantasy value, particularly in PPR leagues, just because you get so much of your value from your catches. Catches are more valuable than rushes for running backs in PPR. So if he can see significant receiving work as well as being the primary rusher, that's huge for him. But like you said, the efficiency really wasn't there and the um, concern that they could bring in another running back, which wouldn't surprise me since it seemed odd to me that they added Chase Edmonds as the running back to be the second guy, just because Edmonds also historically has been more of a receiving back. I know teams last year tried to use him a little bit more in those rushing roles, but where Edmonds was at his best in Arizona is when he was playing third downs while James Conner was playing first and second downs, and Edmonds was really effective in that role, and that's the role where White is probably most effective in as well. So um, the nice thing with White is last year, um, a lot of times the rotation was um, White would start the game, Fournette would come in on the second drive, White would come in on the third drive. So it was at least clear that they trusted White in every kind of situation. So it's just a matter of we expect him to be playing a lot more in those situations. Hopefully he can play better than he was last year or the offensive line can help him out a bit more than they were helping him last year. Yeah, definitely. Um Okay, so uh, let's go to one more player here. We, we've talked a lot about uh, his brother Dalvin uh, in recent episodes on this podcast, but uh, we haven't spent a lot of time on Dalvin's younger brother, who is another one of my potential breakout candidates this season, uh, talking about James Cook of the Buffalo Bills. So I have him as RB26 right now. Uh, main things being that Devin Singletary is gone. Uh, so much like Rashad White losing Leonard Fournette, I think there's room for you know a year or two back to, to kind of step into a productive role. Singletary just finished as the PPR RB20 last season, led the Bills and carries with 177. So um, his departure at least opens the door for Cook to potentially lead the way in 2023. And we did get a taste of what Cook can do with a larger role last season. Um, Singletary's involvement 
kind of in the offense began to shrink in the latter half of last year. He, he was averaging over 70% of the offensive snaps through the first 12 weeks. But then after that, the splits were a lot closer. Cook started to emerge from that point on. So um, the bills did spend a second round pick on cook last season. And, and after his first NFL carry, unfortunately went for a lost fumble things slowly, but surely kind of got better as the year went on. It, it, it almost became an even split with Singletary from uh, after the first 12 games uh, where Singletary went from that 70% snap share down to a 50% snap share and cook went from 17% to 43%. So pretty big jump there. And while obviously still far from an every down roll, Cook at least managed an impressive 5.7 yards per carry, which tied second among qualifying running backs uh, in that span, along with an 80.3 rushing grade, which was 26th. Uh, it was also from that point on that Cook finished as the PPR RB32 on that small snap share, even outperforming Singletary, who finished as RB34 in that span. So. Buffalo, you know, they they did add Damien Harris and, and Latavius Murray in free agency. I think Murray and or yeah, Murray and Harris could potentially factor in. Um, we, we've seen a decline in Harris's role and effectiveness a little bit since 2020. And, and with Murray at 33 years old, I think Cook should still kind of be considered the favorite to see um the bulk of touches, thanks to, you know, again, the Bills' investment in him and, and the in efficiency that he highlighted for them last season as well, which allowed him to earn that that larger role so needs obviously you know to be the rb1 for the bills to break out um if he can get involved as a receiver i think that would be uh, key as well we saw him um uh you know, you know naheem hines is still there but naheem hines had a very small role um as a receiver in buffalo last year uh where singletary and cook were the ones that dominated a lot of the routes run and then the other thing is going to have to be big brother dalvin needs to stay away from buffalo as well so um that would be pretty important i think yeah you brought me back when you mentioned cook's first fumble since i was doing the live snap counts for that and i was able to tweet out before that happened that cook was on the field and was excited about that and then instantly got several replies about how that was maybe wasn't a good thing that cook was on the field for that snap but um cook, oh yeah i very much jinxed that but um, a lot of Cook's stats definitely stood out, uh, had 15 or more yards on 12% of his carries, 20 or more yards on 6.7% of his carries, which led to a, a 5.7 yards per carry. So he was definitely a big play player for Buffalo when he was on the field, which was definitely exciting to see and promising heading into this year. Um, you mentioned Naheem Hines. A lot of times Cook and Hines were on the field at the same time with Hines playing a little bit more of a receiver role, which I wouldn't be surprised if Hines is more reduced to a returner role with uh, Dalton Kincaid now there taking, being able to take more snaps in the slot. But I am a little bit concerned about Damian Harris, and I'm very interested in how the Bills will end up using their running backs. Um, in the past, the Bills have liked to have more of a hurry-up where at least they're keeping the same players on the field for several plays in a row before rotating players out. And Damian Harris, at least historically, has been just a first and second down running back, not playing on third downs at all. So I'll be curious if the Bills intend to use Harris in that kind of role, where maybe one out of every three drives, Harris is the one on the field taking that, or if they're simply going to use Harris for some of those goal line situations, which like the big concern for me with Cook in general is if he's going to be scoring enough touchdowns for fantasy managers to be happy since if there's any role for Latavius Murray in this offense, it's short yarded situations. Josh Allen is perfectly fine uh, taking the ball one yard to score a touchdown as well. So I think Cook will be um, great at making big plays. He should see more playing time this year. My concern is the touchdowns and because they brought in some bigger backs who um, are capable of doing the dirty work where Cook can do more of the big plays with lighter boxes. Yeah. Yeah, very fair points there for sure. Um, yeah, it'll be a fun one to kind of track, especially, you know, early in the season to see how that usage is kind of shaking out. But um, yeah, let's go for one more breakout for me. Uh, this one. 
feels fairly obvious as someone we've kind of referenced already multiple times throughout the history of this podcast. So I'll, I'll keep this fairly short um, because that is Alexander Madison of the Minnesota Vikings. So he is currently my RB 17. Obviously the Dalvin cook release uh, opened up a massive window of opportunity for Madison um, as Minnesota's potential RB one here in 2023. Um, so allowing for the rare year five breakout for a former third round pick out of Boise state. So kind of love that. Um, but cook, obviously, you know, he dominated the touches in Minnesota. He was averaging over 311 touches per season since 2019 when Madison was drafted. He's also only missed six games in that span. So it leaves little opportunity for Madison to kind of show what he could do as a regular RB one in that offense. Um, so as a result, Madison has yet to even exceed 35% of the team's offensive snaps in his four year career. But um, we did get a small sample of Madison as the lead back in Minnesota. So his last five starts without cook in the lineup, he was at worst, a high end RB two uh, in PPR. He posted four top 10 finishes in those five games. And then the one RB 13 finish. So I think, you know, a 70% kind of weekly carry rate is likely in the cards for Madison as that roster currently stands. Uh, and even on a small sample size, I think those returns are pretty promising, obviously, from what we've seen in the past for a player who's being drafted closer to RB20 range right now. I, again, I have him as RB17, so it's not too far from there. But um, obviously, for, for a potential breakout, we're going to need that that similar Dalvin Cook usage. And then just for the Vikings to kind of... Um, or for him to at least reward the Vikings faith in him. We saw him post a career best 84.2 rushing grade on 74 attempts last year. And then he's found ways to kind of make the most of his carries in recent years as well. Even posting uh, the sixth best missed tackles force per attempt at 0.21 and the sixth highest percentage of yards after contact uh, at 74.7 since 2021 among 49 qualifying running backs. So I think there's potential there. Um, what do you think about uh, Alexander Madison as a potential breakout? I basically agree with you with everything you said. I have him at 18, so very close to where you have him, but definitely agree um, he should be higher than where he's currently getting drafted. And in that range, you're really comparing him to a bunch of wide receivers as well that are typically getting drafted around that range. So if you're drafting him versus one of those wide receivers and waiting for the other, um, I definitely trust Madison a bit more than I trust a lot of the running backs that I have ranked in the twenties. Um, like you said, whenever he started, he's been great averaging, uh, over 20 PPR points per start and great at avoiding tackles, like you said, and they still haven't added a, any other running back, which the longer they wait to add one, the more promising it is for Madison, but there's very few teams that have a clear number one running back with, um, little, opportunity for the backups and I think Madison's in one of those situations and he's shown what he can do when he has started so I think this is a great combination of he plays for a great team he will see a ton of opportunities um, he should be the clear guy and he doesn't have a quarterback who's going to steal a lot of the rushing opportunities I don't expect Kirk Cousins to factor in too much and the run game compared to the Buffalo situation for example that we were just talking about so I think a lot of things are going right for Madison. It's just simply, if he was an excellent running back, he would have been a starter by now. So he's probably just a, a good to great running back. So he might not make it to the top five, but you're not drafting him to be top five. He could very well make top 10, top 15 without much trouble. Nice. I like that. Um all right. So before we go on to our sleepers here, we do have another sponsor we'd like to shout out, and that is DraftKings. So this season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Right now, you can enter into DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. Make your entry into the draft today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, waiver wires, and more. To start playing best ball, download the DraftKings app using code PFF, enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest, and snake draft your team for the season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers, no ads, drops, trades, or I should have played him instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the $1 million top prize. So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with code PFF and start playing best ball today. 
Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with or DraftKings with code PFF. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus issued at $10 DraftKings. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Okay. Enough of the breakout. So let's look at some potential sleepers. So players who um, are, are going later in drafts that, that we'd expect to outperform their current ADP and, and are probably higher in our ranks than consensus. Um, let's kick things off uh, with your first running back, Nate, out of Seattle. Who do you got? Uh, yeah, we have Zach Charbonnet, uh, which was the second round pick out of Seattle this year at running back, the second straight year that they went running back. And I think people aren't adjusting quite enough to them drafting another running back after drafting Kenneth Walker last year. I think the two should be closer together. Um, Seattle basically has a history of having multiple good running backs on the team, but having one running back who's been the clear number one guy compared to everyone else. Um, Going back to last year, uh, Rashad Penny was the clear number one guy for the first six weeks before he suffered an injury. Um, before that, from 2018 to 2020, it was often Chris Carson, who was the number one guy, even though they brought in competition for him throughout his time. Uh, Carlos Hyde, one of the more recent running backs a couple years ago that they brought in. And they just very consistently have one guy having the role on early downs and then having a third down back. And with Seattle, DJ Dallas, at least will probably start the season as the third down back. But I could very well see Walker potentially losing the early down role, just depending on which of the two running backs are playing better of the two. And if they're willing to spend a second round pick on a running back after doing the same last year, uh, they must think either pretty highly of him or think not as high for the other back. So um, looking at where the two ranked on our big boards over the past two seasons, Zach was a uh, higher for us was 50 on our big board this year compared to Walker, who was 55 the year before. So there's at least a chance that he's the better of the two running backs. And there's a uh, several rounds between the two where the two are getting drafted right now. So um, I'd be happy to take a chance on him. There's definitely, um, this is a kind of clear case where, I would look at rankings over projections when deciding when to draft people just because you're going to project Walker to be the starter. But there's definitely a chance that Zach could be the guy. And if he is, then he's a must start every week for fantasy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on, on Charbonnet. I, I think he's like a supremely talented player. I liked him also slightly more as a prospect coming out than Kenneth Walker, just because he had the better receiving profile. And I, I think he could potentially be um that could be a part of his game in this offense um you know maybe it's dj dallas like you said but i think there's at least a chance that walker can earn that role as well um because he he, he is pretty strong in that in that uh in that position so like you said walker's current espn adp is rb18 charbonnet's rb41 so a huge difference there for guys who like you said both have strong chances to potentially emerge in Seattle as reliable fantasy backs. And, you know, not to turn this into kind of me like crapping on Walker, because I, I do still like him. I think he should be considered, you know, the top fantasy back in Seattle. But um, I, I did just write him up as a fade at his current ADP, which you can check out now on pff.com. Um, but so I'll use that kind of here to help support the argument uh, of Charbonnet as a sleeper. So if you look at Walker, among running backs who had at least 150 carries last season, Walker did post the highest stuffed run rate in the league, which is runs for, for zero or negative yards doing so on 23.7% of his attempts. Um, this was even more of an issue at the goal line where he also led the league this, uh, this time by a much larger margin uh, at 66.7%, which was over 20 percentage points higher than the next closest back. Now, Walker at least was able to break off 29 explosive runs to help make up for some of his inefficiencies. But I think it's maybe that level of kind of boom or bust that could potentially hurt his consistency in playing time this season. Um, we He was also quite inefficient as a receiver, earning just a 56.0 receiving grade, which was 37th out of 50 running backs. Um, and then only managed 6.1 yards per reception on 34 targets. So like we've kind of alluded to already, I think, you know, Charbonnet does figure to play, I think, a, a 
a bigger part than Walker, at least in the receiving game. Um, and if he's efficient in his playmaking ability, I think he could end up being difficult to kind of keep off the field in those rushing situations as well. And again, you know, right now Walker should still be considered the top Seattle running back for fantasy, but I think he comes with a lot more risk at that RB 18 ADP versus Charbonnet at, at RB 41. So in that case, I'm very happy to take the swing on, on Charbonnet over Walker at cost and, and as the potential sleeper, like you said. Yeah, and I have Walker at 20, Charbonnet at 30. So definitely have Walker higher. And um, when I mentioned DJ Dallas earlier, I know Pete Carroll um, included Dallas when he was talking about his running backs fairly uh, close after the draft happened. And I think it'll be a situation where early in the year it'll be Dallas just because if there's any situation where um, you leave a rookie off the field as a running back, it's third downs for that pass protection. But it could be something where over the course of the season, we start seeing a change. And similarly, I expect Walker to be the starter week one, but it's something that could change over the course of the season. So I could also see him being someone where you draft him, hold on to him. And that even if you don't draft him, probably someone that could be worth trying to trade for at the end of September, early October, because um, we see it all the time where running back situations, one way to start the season, but then completely different by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially with rookies too, right? It takes them a little bit of time to get their legs under them in the NFL. So we see their second halves of season get potentially get a little bit better as well. So um, like that call, uh, how about another sleeper here? A uh, former Seattle Seahawk. Who do you have as your next guy up? Uh, next, I have Rashad Penny going from the Seahawks to the Eagles. I have my Michael Bennett jersey on today. Also a former Seahawk turned Eagle at one point of time. So uh, Penny, uh, he's just been excellent whenever he's been healthy these last couple of seasons, um, averaging over six yards per carry these last two years. Over his last 10 starts, four times he's been a top four fantasy running back. So just excellent when he's been able to play. And that's been behind a Seahawks offensive line where uh, we weren't talking too much about their offensive line because we were comparing to running backs. But their offensive line hasn't been all that great or helpful to their running backs in recent seasons where the Eagles have been the best offensive line and among the best for a number of years now, but continue to be right at the top. So I think that offensive line will help Penny uh, maybe not be better just because it's hard to be better than six yards per carry over any kind of sample size, but at least help him not regress to a lower yards per carry than what we're used to seeing out of him. Um, With Philadelphia, the big thing is the competition at running back. They have DeAndre Swift. Uh, They still have Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I think Penny is the best runner of the group. So I could very well see Penny getting the majority of the carries, at least when everybody's healthy. There will definitely be a competition between him and Swift. But one of the big things with Penny and Swift is they both dealt with injuries in the past. So I could very well see this being a situation where um, over the course of the season, there's different guys who end up being the guy. Hopefully, you know who it is before the game starts. So, you know, if you're starting someone But if anyone is getting the majority of carries in Philadelphia, they're probably a fantasy starter. Um, They'll lose a couple of touchdowns to Jalen Hurts throughout the course of the season. But uh, just the volume of carries they're going to get and the efficiency they're going to get running the ball will be huge for whoever's in the backfield. And Penny definitely has the talent to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I like Penny quite a bit. And I mean, look, obviously, you know, the injury concerns are are pretty undeniable at this point. He missed. Uh, at least five games in every year that he's been in the league, um, including having missed 19 of his last 34 over these past two regular seasons. Um, But the thing is that 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 is already like very clearly baked into his ADP, right? He's at, he's RB 40 in in ADP right now going in the double digit rounds of drafts. Um, Yeah. I, I don't think, I think if he didn't have the injury concerns and was even just somewhat as efficient as he's been the past few seasons, then there's there's probably no way he's going that late. Um, you know, I think a perfect example of that is, is someone like like David Montgomery, right? So he, he's currently going Montgomery as RB29, so several rounds earlier. Both guys have, you know, significant competition, at least in the receiving game between Jameer Gibbs and DeAndre Swift. So their involvement as pass catchers is probably going to be non-existent. However, however, both guys figure to be, you know, 
the favorites to be the early down options, potentially the go-to backs at the goal line. Um, Montgomery, though, he's been nowhere near as efficient when you look at their per carry numbers over the past three seasons. Penny obviously blows them out of the water, but the difference is that Montgomery has only missed a handful of games these past three years. So nobody's as concerned about the injury risk, although it can hit literally anyone at any time. And again, he's he's going as RB29 and about four full rounds earlier than Penny. So to me, Penny, he's obviously. I think he's the favorite to replace Miles Sanders in Philly. Um, Sanders, who, who by the way, finished as RB fifteen in PPR last year, uh, essentially as the same kind of just running back with a non-existent receiving role. Um, now Sanders obviously did this by staying healthy, of course, playing in all seventeen games for the Eagles, um, with the added bonus of playing behind one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league, like you said. So that helped him pull off a career year, but you know, if Penny can get over a lot of the, the injury issues of years past, I think they're as far as values in drafts right now, I don't know if there's a better one than, than Rashad Penny in, in Philadelphia. And I think comparing him to some guys that have similar ADPs, like you would rather have a running back that can get you a couple weeks where he's a top five fantasy running back, even if he's missing half the season than a running back. Who's just consistently getting somewhere between the 20th and 30th most fantasy points. Uh, Brian Robinson with Washington is an example that comes to mind of someone who has a higher ADP right now, but I have lower in my rankings just because I don't see a scenario where Robinson gets to a top 10 finish without scoring two touchdowns in a game, which could happen at some point, but you're not going to be able to predict it ahead of time where you have someone who can start over someone you drafted to be a starter, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, then you're finding value at that position compared to a guy who's just going to be sitting on your bench the entire year, unless you have an injury to one of your starters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. Um, All right, we got two more, but we'll do one more ad raid for today. And this one is from our friends at Manscaped. Uh, If you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Beach, lake, or shower, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. All right. Let's add in a couple more sleepers here. Who is next on your list, Nathan? Uh, Next, I have Devin A-Chain for the Miami Dolphins. He's just a Miami situation at running back. Uh, is so fluid last year. They had three different running backs have top 12 performances uh, just based on whoever was the top guy each week. And with A-Chain, the big knock against him is his size, five foot nine, 185 pounds. I was trying to find similar running backs who had fantasy production at that size. Uh, Justin Forsett, Philip Lindsay, two of the more recent examples. A uh, work done was even smaller than him, and he was had 2,669 career rushing attempts. So it's at least possible for someone at that size to see significant carries. Um, he was considered a light box back in our draft guide that we had at the beginning of the year, which is great because Miami um, only had 90 rushing attempts against an eight man plus box, which was fifth fewest in the NFL. So I think a chain has the 
um, possibility of having a ton of big plays for Miami uh, just with his home run speed. But I also think there's an opportunity for him to see significant carries um, if he's able to continue to stay effective and in Miami's offense where they'll probably be an 11 personnel a lot of the time going up against light boxes. I think it'll work where he might not need 15 carries for him to be a fantasy starter. He might just need 10. But if he can break out one of those 10, then that gives you enough fantasy points to be happy starting him. So um, I think he's definitely a gamble. He's getting drafted because he's a gamble at this point. Plus, there's a chance that they still sign Cook. But even if they sign Cook, I think um, he just has the talent that that late in the draft, you're betting on talent. And Miami's situation is one where uh, talent should be able to win out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's going as RB50 right now. I mean, you know, I, I understand the, the size concerns for sure, but Miami did spend the day two draft capital on him um, last last year at Texas A&M through 10 games. He, he had nearly 200 carries, so close to 20 per game on average. Uh, shout out math. And then he added a, a nearly 300 routes run and 36 receptions. So, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's shown at at least in college that he can handle a significant workload. I, I don't think in Miami that he'll have that big of a role as he did at Texas A&M because they have some capable options there in Raheem, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, um, even Miles Gaskin, who could help kind of shoulder some of the load there. But I, I do think he's a great pick to be, you know, potentially at the top fantasy back of the bunch, given, you know, that elite speed, which should fit seamlessly into that already high-flying offense with a chance to hit some home runs for fantasy managers. Like you said, um, you know, this is, this is one of the another one of the backfields I think I'm most excited to see kind of play out as we get that preseason or, or week one and two usage because could pay off big time if he's the one that ends up getting the majority of you know route participation and, and carries obviously but um, if not he could end up being maybe more of that boom bust type option that is difficult to trust on a weekly basis and kind of frustrate fantasy managers a little bit, which I think it also plays into his ADP already a bit, but um, I, I'm with you. I have him as uh, RB 41 right now. I think you have him as RB 38. So he's, he's going as RB 50 on ESPN, like we said, so could very well turn into a nice value if he's the player we think he could be. And uh, of course, if, if Dalvin doesn't take uh, his talents to South Beach as well. Yeah, and Miami, it feels like at running back for the past year or so, it's been we're happy enough with our running backs, but they're always looking to get better. They uh, tried Chase Edmonds early, then they went to Raheem Mostert, got rid of Edmonds, traded for Jeff Wilson, even though Mostert was doing fine, um, immediately let Jeff Wilson be the primary running back for a couple games, then went back to Mostert as the primary running back, and then brought both guys back on relatively cheap contracts. So it's like they know that they can use them, but they're also trying to get better than them at some point in time. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, all right, let's go with our last guy on the list here. Who is your final sleeper uh, for this episode? Uh, the last one that I will go with is Jalen Warren. Um, I did write out these sleeper running backs and there's a fifth one. So if you want to find out about the fifth one, uh, feel free to go to the website or the app and go find who that fifth sleeper running back is. But the last one I'll talk about today is Warren with the Steelers. Um, undrafted rookie last year, basically by the end of the preseason was the primary backup running back, had over 20 snaps in his first game and uh, stayed the second running back throughout the season, um, became the clear third down running back, but even on early downs in a lot of ways was outperforming uh, Najee Harris. Um, Warren ended up with a higher yards per carry, yards after contact per carry, avoided tackle rate, first down rate, explosive play rate, and a lower rate of being stuffed in the backfield. Um, Warren was one of the best uh, running backs on a per catch basis at avoiding tackles, uh, as well as one of the better ones at avoiding tackles running with the ball. So I don't think Warren will have standalone value if things just continue on being how they were last season with Harris getting the majority of the carries and Warren getting the majority of the passing down work. But it wouldn't surprise me at some point if they decide to start giving Warren more touches than Harris, if Warren continues to play more effective than Harris. So um, you're drafting him in hopes that that changes at some point over time. But I think with how late he's getting drafted, that's the kind of player you're looking for is someone who is talented and has a chance to end up with the starting role, even though they don't have it at the moment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a. I think it's a good call. I mean, he's he's going as RB forty one right or fifty one. Sorry, RB fifty one right now on ESPN. I, I think the Steelers that they're a team to kind of pay attention to for the reasons that you just said and kind of you know um, shifting who they they put on the field more often depending on effectiveness, right? And they're they're a good example of I think a team that that's willing to either adapt or or to set trends in the NFL, which which in this case, it's potentially maybe moving away from an every down workhorse running back and utilizing specific players to their strengths, depending on the situations um, within the structure of the game. So th- th- this is something that they started to do last year, a little bit at the running position, running back position, like you pointed out, but they've, they've also shown that tendency like at other positions as well, including on defense, um, you know, they, along with, with a few other, select teams last year deployed their their linebackers in situation specific roles because they couldn't rely on just one or two guys to play every down and, and be as effective across all situations so they had you know guys that were a third down specialist in Robert Spillane and they, they rotated their early down options in Devin Bush and Miles Jack and and Bush was a player they spent a, a top 10 pick on a, a few years ago but they weren't afraid to rotate him off the field and move on from him despite the investment because he just wasn't performing up to task so this is kind of like a, a long-winded tangent into some IDP stuff again, but I, I know, but all meant to kind of say that this Steelers team isn't likely to just allow Najee Harris to, to grind out fewer than four yards per carry or or fewer than six yards per reception, regardless uh, in the difference in difference in investment between the two Najee being you know a former first round pick and Warren like you said a UDFA so if he's going to continue to be inefficient Najee Harris that is then they'll find ways to to maximize their efficiency at the position with other players on the roster and Jalen Jalen Warren stands out as a very clear option to help fill that role whether it's as a runner or in the passing game he, he was a former tight end in college as well I could easily see the Steelers kind of lightening uh, Najee's workload if his inefficiencies continue. And, and we did start to see that get Warren just slightly more involved last year after the bye week. Um, he was a bit more involved in the run game, by, but just only about a 2% point swing in both directions for either guy. Um, but the difference came in, in his involvement as a receiver, uh, where just comparing the two of them in percentage of targets that they both got, Harris dropped from a 66.7% uh, of the targets to 57.1% of the running back targets. And, and then Warren increased from 33% to 42.9%. So just between those two players pre and post by anyways, as a small kind of hint at what they did and, and how they want to get him potentially more involved this year, um, which Mike Tomlin has talked about as well. So I think, um, I think that could potentially really help his case to be, to be a sleeper and then also could hurt Najee Harris a little bit. Yeah, and I think uh, comparing him and to some of the other sleepers we talked about, like some of the rookies, you're drafting them and you're not expecting anything week one. You're kind of waiting to see how things progress throughout the season. We've seen plenty of times where like Damien Pierce barely played week one. And then by week two, he was um, clearly the guy in Houston or going back uh, DeAndre Swift. It took him half the season for Detroit to get him heavily involved in their offense a couple of seasons ago. So the rookies you're drafting and holding on and waiting for them. I won't be surprised if we find out more about Warren's usage pretty early on in the season to see um, just how much they still think about Harris. So I think even in the preseason, we'll see if they're resting their starters. Are they resting Harris? Are they resting Warren as well? Is it just one of the two resting? Um, if they're both playing, what kind of rotation they're doing in the preseason, even though it'll probably just be one drive that we're trying to get information out of. But definitely by week one, we should have a good sense of if this backfield is looking similar to how it was last year or if it's really starting to look different. And definitely over the course of the season, things can change, but it's probably a little less likely in this kind of situation for things to change over the course of the season compared to some of these situations where it's a new coaching staff or a new rookie or new competition they're facing where this, it's the same two guys fighting for the same snaps with the same coaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to get into the preseason stuff. And and once we start recapping that, uh, that usage and everything, there's so many different situations to keep an eye on, but uh, that will do it for our sleeper running backs and breakout running backs. Hopefully you guys took uh, a, a lot away from that and, and potentially help you with our draft with your drafts going forward. But 
as we wrap that up, we move into the other part of our podcast here, and that is another head-to-head battle here with our five-round draft. Uh, Last week, we drafted our all-GOAT athlete teams. I couldn't believe that it was such a landslide in my favor. 90% of the votes. That was crazy. Um, So I'll get the W for that one. But Nate throwing a very difficult one at me here to get back on the board. We're talking about uh, the top board games of all time. So this, as someone who doesn't play a lot of board games these days, I think I'm potentially in some trouble here. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Nate, you you got the first pick. Are are you a board game aficionado by any chance? Just so I know uh, if I should be really concerned about this one. Yeah, I wouldn't say that much. Like I have friends <laughs> where if I go to visit them, like if there was a week where I'd visit them and I'd learn three new games a day, and the, by the time I got used to it and knew the rules and everything, that's when it was time to switch games and learn another new game. But over the course of my life, played various games to various amounts and it was interesting trying to figure out how to go about drafting this if i should focus on some classics that have withstood the uh, course of time or go with some more recent games so trying to go with a mix but even the first overall pick it was trying to figure out what to go with here but i think i will go with chess first overall it's gaining popularity again it's been around for hundreds of years um, a game that you can play where you don't even have to speak the same language as someone you're playing with. You can play with anyone around the world and just pick up the game and start playing. The rules are the same throughout. And uh, just it's a strategy game that has withstood the test of time for generations. And still, like, you can have the best people in the world and computers are trying to do a great job at chess, but they can only be so good. Sometimes grandmasters are finding things that the computers haven't found yet. So um, I'm happy to go with chess first overall. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was my first overall pick. I wasn't even sure if it was going to count. Uh, <laughs> I was going to check on that, but yeah, I, that, that was, uh, that was definitely going to be my first pick if it was allowed. And I, yeah, it has to be allowed because it's a great pick. Um, obviously yeah. top board game. Um, okay. So I am going to go with, oh God. So I, the way I, I did kind of look at this more, um, all time kind of board games. I, I really don't know what's that popular uh, today. So I'm going with Monopoly. Um, it's, you know, kind of the classic board game. I think that you go to, and you think of when you think board games, um, it, it's just a fun game to play and it causes a lot of, uh, arguments and, 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 fun conversations as we we try to swindle our our friends and family uh in in properties and all of that kind of stuff so i'm choosing monopoly as my topic i did have monopoly as the second on my board i have several copies of monopoly and various variations of monopoly i was just hoping that enough people hate monopoly enough that they will see you choose it and not want to pick it because they don't like monopoly so that's my hope but Monopoly, also a game that has definitely withstood the test of time. Um, After those top two, it kind of became dicey of like, okay, there's a number of options that I felt were appropriate for the third overall pick, but I'll just pick one that I hope you wanted, and uh, that is Risk. Risk is also a game that has been out for several decades and just a classic strategy game. Um, Enjoy it with a number of the games that I have remaining on the list are nice ones where it's multiplayer and there's a ton of strategy of like if you get too many people mad at you then they're all going to gang up on you so you can't get too many people mad at you all at once similar with Monopoly but um, just a game that if you have a day that you can set aside and play the game in person it's awesome but even if not um, it's a game that's easy enough to just play on your phone against computers, um, knock a game out in 10 minutes because they do everything for you and make it easy that way and still enjoyable that way. So um, fine with Risk at number three. Nice. Well, fun fact, I've actually never played Risk. So this kind of shows how inexperienced I am at board games. My my only, um, I guess, like knowledge of Risk is how that is when Kramer and Newman play it on Seinfeld. Um, that's about it. The extent of my risk knowledge is uh, them playing it on the subway and the, the Ukrainian guy getting mad and, and throwing the, the chessboard on them. But uh, for my second pick. OK, so, yeah, it definitely gets it's it's, it's tough now. Um, so I'll go with one that I have played and that's Scrabble. Um, so it's probably another, you know, one of those popular kind of all time um, board games, but Scrabble, 
a lot of fun. You know, people are really like the word with friends app and, you know, that you could play online. I think it's kind of similar in, in a way. So um, I'm going to try to, to, to gain the popularity vote here and, and go Scrabble. Hopefully it works. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. With some of these drafts that we've done, it's been like, okay, I'm drafting this athlete that I know is good because the people that I trust said that they're yeah. good. <laughs> I tried to do it with my list of games, all games that I have played and have enjoyed playing. I'm not a fan of Scrabble. I, I'm a math person, not a word person. I don't know how to spell things. My editors do are all our editors, sorry, do a lot of that <laughs> for us. We have excellent editors here at PFF that um, if they ever listen to us, I hope you are, and I hope you know how much we appreciate you, but I <laughs> am not best. very good at word games, so I'm not going to go with the word game, so I'm glad that you took Scrabble. Um, so then with my third pick, I will be going with Clue. Uh, Clue, another game that's nice. been around forever, a strategy game that has influenced plenty of other games. If you look at some of the most influential games of all time, um, they made a movie about it that a lot of people really like, so um, it's just after you play it enough times over and over, then it gets a little repetitive, but having played it as a child, then not playing it for a few years and then playing it again, then not playing for a few years and playing again, every time you pick it up, it's just fun to pick it up again after you haven't played it in a while. So I'm fine to go with Clue at number three. Nice. Yeah, Clue's, Clue's a good one. I haven't played that in a really, really long time. Um, okay, so my number three. So this one, this is, I got a slight connection for this one. It's really, really um, a, a weak connection, but uh, created by a Canadian Trivial Pursuit. Um, so <laughs> uh, Trivial Pursuit is is going to be my pick here. It's a trivia game. So fun, you know, funny story. I, when I was in high school, um, we went to a party at a girl's house and her dad was the creator of Trivial Pursuit. So I've been in the house of the guy that created Trivial Pursuit. So that's, that's my slight nice. connection, um, for, for a few hours of my life. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'll put Trivial Pursuit on there. You could play it at all different kinds of trivia, um, different, different topics and, and stuff like that. So I really like that one. It's a fun one. Um, yeah, that's my number three. Yeah, whenever I do trivia, I need to be on a team, and I'm the one that answers all the sports questions, and they handle everything else. Nice, yeah. Um, now I'll start to shift towards a little bit more recent games, not recent as in the past five years, but probably more past 10 to 20 years for some of these. I'll be going with Pandemic as my next one. Um, this is one where I looked at some of the all-time lists that people have, and this was a little bit lower than some of the other games, but just one that I have enjoyed more as an adult. A little bit enjoyed it more five years ago than I have recently because it hits a little too close <laughs> to home over these past couple years. But um, just the mechanics of the game and just being a game where um, you're not competing against other people, you're competing with the team, and it's probably been the best game that I've found where... Um, it's a team game. You're fighting the game rather than fighting against each other. So I think it's nice to have those kind of games. And that's probably been my favorite one of those types of games. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I haven't even heard of it. I don't know what it is. So that that's, <laughs> that's, but that's cool. Fair that enough. does sound fun. Um, all right. So I got number four here. Let's go with, Let's go with Cranium. Um, Cranium is a fun game. It, it's it's got a combination of like trivia and like some you know crafting stuff and charades and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, ends up being a really fun game. My wife and I, um, when we if we do go to like friends' house and stuff and play as couples, my wife and I tend to dominate that one. She's the very artsy person, and I handle all, a lot of the trivia stuff. So uh, it works out well. We make a good team, and uh, Cranium is is a good one. And that's probably the most recent. Um, board game that i've ever played so <laughs> fair enough uh my last pick um i think i will go with dominion as my last one it's a deck builder game and i did like probably half of my research into this was trying to figure out if a deck builder card game still counts as a board game and chat gpt was fine with it so i am also fine with saying dominion but it's basically uh, the game that invented deck builder games and I've enjoyed it. I think it's probably the most recent game that I played that counts as a board game played it a couple of weeks ago online with friends. So um, since I've played it also in person with the actual cards. So I think even though it's not as old as some of the other games that we've talked about, I think because 
of how it invented deck builder games in general, I'm fine with it being my fifth pick. Fair. That's a good one. Okay. So last pick here, I got some options. Um, I had checkers on here. I'm not going to pick checkers because you took chess and that just makes me seem like the dumb one, which I already am, but it's still, (laughs) (laughs) it's not, it's not a good comparison. Um, Apparently Settlers of Catan is very popular. I've never played it. So I'd feel like a fraud if I took that one. Um, I'm going to go Battleship. Um, So it's a little bit different. It's got like the interactive pieces and everything like that. And if you got the light up board one, it's a lot of fun. But um, Battleship was always fun as a kid. I played that one quite a bit. So I think that will be my, yeah, that'll be my last pick here to kind of round it out. So we'll see. I had it. Did you have Battleship I had a on there? Fifth okay. on my list, but after drafting three games that were made decades before I was born, <laughs> I wanted to get some games that were a little more recent. So yeah. I shifted my strategy after that point, but I did have Battleship number five. Also, I had Blockus, and I was considering Cards Against Humanity, which is a card game that that was probably even more so. Is it does it count as a board game right. when it's a party game that only counts? uses cards and stuff i think it counted and had you drafted a bunch of my other ones i would have gone with it for my fifth okay. pick but that and blockers were the last two on my list yeah yeah i think it's a good yeah a lot of mine are older that's for sure um you're you're pandering to the younger crowd here as well so i think that i think that might help your case a little bit um yeah. so yeah it's so you got... well with the athlete ones we've done so far so oh, hopefully gosh. it works this time <laughs> uh so you got uh chess Risk, Clue, Pandemic, and Dominion. Uh, And then for me, it's Monopoly, Scrabble, Trivial Pursuit, Cranium, and Battleship. I already know there's going to be a lot of suggestions about, you know, like the Settlers of Catan and maybe like Candyland and things like that that we we didn't include. We got a lot of uh, athlete suggestions after the last one as well, which was which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah. that, that that's going to do it. Uh, thank you again to everyone for listening. I, I think this was another banger, as the kids say. Thanks to uh, Nate, as always, for doing this with me. Every day we get closer to the fantasy season, which already means we're starting to ramp up the frequency of this podcast. We're going to be moving to two per week starting next week uh, in order to get everyone the best and most information before your drafts and throughout fantasy draft season. Speaking of which, Nate has been flooding the site with all kinds of great fantasy content these last two weeks. Uh, What do you currently have on pff.com, Nate? Sure. So this week I started my perfect draft series. I started with uh, 12 team leagues in general, then went to some pick specific ones, uh, picks one through three, picks four through six. Next week we'll uh, finish out those as well as uh, had uh, ranking tight ends that came out, uh, sleeper running backs, which we just talked about, and then have been going through uh, player profiles one a day. Eventually, we'll wrap that up to two or three a day. But so far this week, I've been going through wide receivers, a couple that I've really liked researching so far. Um, DK Metcalf with the Seahawks. I think that's an interesting one if you just want to check out one or two of these player profiles. Since I went into it really trying to dig into why he didn't get as many touchdowns last season and what we should expect out of him this year. And then the other one that was pretty interesting for me, uh, Michael Thomas with the Saints and seeing um, what Derek Carr has done well in the past, what he doesn't do well, and how that will either benefit or hurt some of the Saints wide receivers. Yeah, so definitely check those out. Some really detailed uh, pieces there up on the site for me. Um, I added uh, my IDP defensive line breakout candidates as well as my top five running backs to fade at their current ADP, ADP and then my top five running backs to target at their current ADP will all be up by the end of this week as well. Um, also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. Uh, we continue to greatly appreciate the support over there on that brand new channel. Also, the PFF Fantasy Discord open to anyone and everyone who wants to talk all kinds of fantasy related topics that one is growing nicely as well next episode coming to you early next week we'll be talking some fantasy draft strategies as we move to again two per week that should be a lot of fun as well so hope you'll all tune in for that one and until next time peace out